The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Dena'ina Athabascan people. I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man never told. And I cast aside my worries And just went digging for gold And I will scale the highest mountains Looking for the bluest blue but of all Curiosity is a matter of asking questions Or more specifically, asking beautiful questions The poet E.E. Cummings wrote, Always the beautiful answer, who asks the more beautiful question? Urban thinkers Chris Rock and Joel Van Dyke agree, writing in their book Geography of Grace, We have come to believe that beautiful questions actually do reveal beautiful answers. But what makes a beautiful question? To answer that question, a questionologist might be helpful. You think I made that up, don't you, that there's no such thing as a questionologist? Uh, But there is. Warren Berger, the author of two books on beautiful questions and the creator of the website amorebeautifulquestion.com, describes himself as a questionologist. If anyone could answer the question, what makes a beautiful question, it would be Mr. Berger. His answer goes like this. A beautiful question is an ambitious yet accountable question that can begin to shift the very way we perceive or think about something, and that might serve as a catalyst to bring about change. Mr. Berger encourages a cycle of questions. Why, what if, and how? Those questions are similar to the questions asked in my field of practical theology, where we ask, what's going on? Why is it going on? What ought to be going on? And how might we proceed? This podcast is seeking to connect with Anchorage's soul through her history, stories, and people. And to do that, we'll need to ask a lot of questions. Beautiful questions. There are oceans and there are deserts That I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true but of all Research is about asking questions. I recently finished a five-year period of writing and research that resulted in a PhD. And all throughout that process, I was asking and answering questions. But that journey began by asking a single question. Sitting around a table of local pastors and ministry leaders back in 2014, I asked the question, do you consider your ministry urban? I was attempting to put my finger on an elusive reality. What exactly is Anchorage and how do we understand it? That initial question grew far beyond my expectations and became the prompting for my doctoral thesis. A large part of my research was asking questions to 38 pastors and leaders in Anchorage. And in those interviews, I asked each participant, 
From your perspective, what are the major issues facing the city of Anchorage? The data revealed that those leaders saw these issues as the top 10 issues facing the city. Substance abuse and treatment, violence, homelessness, fiscal and economic issues, diversity and race relations, affordable housing, LGBTQ rights and same-sex marriage, a selfish me-first attitude, urban social issues, things like big city or small city problems, and as expected from pastors, the need for revival in the city. This season of the Anchored City podcast is focusing on the issues facing Anchorage. The list I just read is reflective of only that small group that was interviewed. Residents of Anchorage might resonate with this list or have other issues that they would add. You would think that after five years of asking questions as part of my research, I'd be done asking questions. But this is not the case. Remember our questionologist, Warren Berger? He believes that we should use four-year-old children as our models for questioning. Have you ever been around a four-year-old child? They ask between 100 and 300 questions a day, according to researchers. That's a lot of questions. Taking my cue from those toddlers, I'm going to continue to ask questions. While my research gave me a list of issues facing the city, it has the limitation of being drawn from one particular segment of the population. I thought I'd ask around a bit and see what others saw as the issues facing the city. I traveled around the city using Zoom, we apologize for the audio in a few spots, to ask people about the issues facing Anchorage. My first stop was the university. So my name's Donna Ginniga. I'm with the University of Alaska Anchorage. I am currently the Interim Director of the Center for Community Engagement and Learning, an Associate Professor in the School of Social Work. And this fall, I am returning to my faculty position in the School of Social Work. I have heard the oldest story. I asked Donna about what she loves about Anchorage. I think one of the things I really love about Anchorage is it's welcome to, to transient um, or to immigrant populations, or to um, or to migrant populations, to people coming into the city. So I've moved quite a few places. I've lived in quite a few states, and one of my favorite memories of when we first moved to Anchorage is our internet installer. He learned that we just moved, and he pulled out a notebook and he wrote us like three pages of recommendations for places to go. And what we found is that. People are really, um, there's a spirit of 
building your own family, building your own sense of community, because you know you do leave behind people who live outside, people in the lower 48. And so there's this sense of intentional community that can be found, you know, as you're finding your people up here. And I really love that. I mean, I also love, like, I love looking outside and seeing all the green and seeing all the, you know, the beautiful blue skies. And then it helps because I really like cold weather. And so I love the winters. <laughs> I would search the wide world over for one I also asked her about what issues she sees facing the city. I was thinking about um, I was thinking about this idea of what are the issues Anchorage is facing. And I think it kind of almost splits into two camps for me. I think that there are the more typical issues that an urban area faces around transportation, infrastructure, economic development, you know, homelessness, the, the, social, the social issues that all communities need to experience or need to address, I'm sorry. And so again, as I think about Anchorage and I think about how we might want to move it forward, I think transportation, affordable housing, and economic development are really key. Um, the, I, I do think that there's some unique aspects to um, to living in Anchorage that maybe not all urban areas experience. And I think part of that is even as I talked about how one of the things I love about Anchorage is how welcoming I have found it to be, um, a realization that not everyone has that experience. You know, um, I was lucky we moved up here for for my job at the university. So I had kind of immediate entrance into a set of, um, into a group of people. I had immediate, you know, immediate coworkers who could then transition into becoming friends. And so I think that sometimes we get lost in the idea of, you know, people like to talk about how Anchorage can still have a small town feel but it is large enough for people and for groups of people to get lost in. But we're not as aware of that as I think that we, that we should be. Like we have a little bit of blinders maybe on the fact that people are falling through the cracks, that there's not enough social services, that there's not enough welcome for everyone that, that comes to Anchorage. The other thing is a little bit even, is a little bit more pragmatic is I think Anchorage, has a has a um, land limitation, <laughs> you know, like we have to think about land use in a way that a lot of cities don't because a lot of cities can just sprawl. And, you know, here in our bowl, we need to be thinking very conscientiously, very um, future oriented now. And how do we use land? How do we rebuild land? How do we repurpose it? How do we maybe think about mixed use developments? Um, because we're not going to have more land, but we're likely to have more people, right? We're likely, and we're likely to maybe want some different things as we, as we look forward, you know, how do we make what we have more accessible for older populations? How do you, again, if we go back to that idea of transportation, how do we facilitate transportation around Anchorage? Finally, I asked her 
If you had the power to change one thing in Anchorage, what would that be? I think it would be to to bring us together more effectively to talk um, and plan and make decisions about our future. Um, and so, and not to have just the same the same faces or the same voices represented at those community conversations, but to really try and figure out what is it that the people of Anchorage are looking for and how can we tap into and how can we use those community dialogues, those community deliberations, how can we tap into that energy we find there's people plan to better coordinate our resources. We don't have infinite resources up here. We have a problem. We're not a self, you know, we're not self-sufficient, but I feel like if we could better tap in and draw new ideas, new energy, new businesses, new individuals, new agencies in, that we could better coordinate our resources and at least be farther along that path um, of self-sufficiency towards a community that represents like kind of the best of us. My next stop as I zoomed across the city was speaking with local reporter Julia O'Malley. I am a third generation Alaskan. My parents, both my sets of grandparents came to Anchorage after World War II. Um, And I've been a reporter in, I think it's been about 15 years solid that I've been a reporter in Anchorage. But then I grew up, kind of got reared up at the Anchorage Daily News. So there's, I spent a long time in newsrooms here. And then, um, the last six, seven months I've been an editor um, with Alaska Public Media working um, in the radio realm, but mostly I do, I just, I uh, manage their digital operations, so the things that you see online, um, I guess. And I, I'm a person who has found a lot of inspiration in the city and the state and the stories here. I find that it's endlessly interesting. In the last six or seven years, I've been a freelance writer, so I've written a lot about Alaska nationally, um, a lot about Anchorage and Alaska nationally, and I have a book that came out um, around Christmas time um, that is about Alaska's food culture, which ha- there's a lot of intersections there with, you know, uh, pe- just different cultures in the city and, and in the city and also in the state. I asked Julia the same questions that I had asked Donna. Here's what she said she loves about the city of Anchorage. This is a little bit far afield, but this is a part of our culture that I like. Over the weekend, there was, I was all worked up, stressed out about sending a reporter to Palmer because there was going to be this protest there. And there was this rumor that's, you know, there was going to be guys with guns at the protest and I'm trying not to get my reporter hurt. Um, all stressed out, you know, the reporter's young guy, he grew up here too. And um gets out there and he ends up talking to the guy the guy who had been on facebook talking about how he you know about bringing concealed weapons to the event um the black lives matter event and the guy is like getting ready for the protest it's like ahead of time and he's like super nervous 
and he's like um like feels like he's gonna throw up he says and um and then protest comes around and the organizers like a high school student from palmer and the two of them start talking and at the end of it and then they um they're both from faith traditions so they end up praying together ahead of the uh protest and what i liked and they both just sort of had made a bunch of assumptions about each other um but because our place is so small you kind of can't really live in a bubble you know and the fact is is the two of them could easily and that's what i like about anchorage is that the, those two people could have easily lived on the same street and found themselves interacting over uh you know giving each other extra bulbs from costco or one of them could have plowed the other one's driveway out and there's something about our culture here because there's such a wide diversity of people that we just end up in relationship with people that we differ from and um it's an alaskan thing but it's a it's a real anchorage thing where you know institutions schools uh courtrooms what have you grocery stores what have you you rub elbows with people who you don't you probably wouldn't agree with politically but you've got other things in common um and so i just find whatever it is in that nexus i find really important especially in this moment where you know we're kind of this crazy breaking point in our country it seems like i don't know if you guys have been following the news but it seems dark um so it's like well how do we find each other's humanness i think this town offers that ability to transcend politics and i want to hold on to that i also asked julia about issues and the one thing she would change about Anchorage. Aside from the public health issues, which are complicated, um, beyond that, we have some serious economic issues, you know, in the city and the state. Oil is in the tank, like we never seen it. Uh, the state budget is in like the tank, like we never seen it. Um, and then we have a million fewer tourists. So that really knocks a leg out from under the table. Um, so there's just, what we're looking at moving forward is there's just going to have to be more skin in the game from Alaskans. You know, we're going to have to, I think we're going to have to pay taxes. I just don't see how it's going to work out. And that's a real political shift. So there's, you know, and that causes us to have to really look at, okay, well, what are our priorities here? What do we want to fund? And, you know, the real austere budget proposal that Dunleavy made, people can say whatever they want about it, but it did really cause stakeholders to have to say, oh, wait, no, we actually don't want to get rid of, you know, funding for Medicare, or we don't want to think, we don't think people in the Pioneer home should pay more, or, you know, we need support for, you know, homeless people with mental illness, whatever it is, it caused us to be like, oh, wait, no, we want to have all that stuff. So now the question is, you know, on a wide level, how are we going to pay for it? And Anchorage is like kind of the hub of all that because we have such a, you know, we got, we have the population here. So I think that's a big issue. I think development is a big issue and kind of what the city's going to look like. So, and I live downtown. I really see that downtown where it's really hollowed out and, you know, they're just, it's like, we got to fill, are we going to fill that back in? Is Midtown going to be our new downtown? Do we want to be able to walk to businesses? Do we still just feel like we need to drive our car right up to it? Like, you know, what is our city? I mean, and I come from city planners, you know, my mother and grandmother are city planners here. And so it's just like, what is our city going to look like? 
you know, and what are our val? how are we going to reflect our values in that way? You know, and are, are some neighborhoods gonna have one kind of people and another neighborhood going to have another kind of people? Or do we do the kind of city planning that intermingles people who are renters and people who are owners? And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot happening there. Yeah. And I, I guess I think there's demographic changes that are changing our politics, you know, um, I, I hate the word diversity, but we have a lot more people from a lot of places. So we have immigrants who have come here, especially people who are from the Pacific Islands and the Asian diaspora. And, um, you know, all of that brings people's different value sets and different religious traditions and all of that. And I don't know what that's going to mean, but when I was, you know, not to go back to the protest this weekend, but I was at one, you know, I've been kind of like sending reporters, so I'm trying to keep an eye on them. And um, I was kind of on the periphery of one on Friday, and it was just, it's a weird experience. I'm 41, and it's a weird experience to be at a protest and be like an old person there. Um, and the crowd was really, you know, it was people of color. It's really reminds me actually, cause I went to East high school, a lot of like kind of that population, but just like it was young people of color and they were into the politics. And, um, and I just thought like, what, these guys are getting older. And I remember when the demographics of the school district shifted and you could really see that group coming up. Um, and I just think like, well, what, what are, what are our politics going to look like when these guys are really participating? Um, and it was just, it was a larger protest than I'm used to. And, um, and so the other thing about Anchorage is just like, I always think I know it, then it changes. Uh, and it was one of those moments, which I really like where I was like, Oh, I don't know the city at all. I would make healthcare available to everybody. Um, I can't, you know, we have such a problem in our state with making healthcare affordable. There is an underclass of working people who do not have access to the doctor, let alone mental health care. Um, and it, our model is broken. And there is so much inequity in that because everybody should be able to go to the doctor. Everybody should be able to receive counseling and meds if they're dealing with mental illness. And the fact is we don't have that. Um, and it causes all kinds of problems, makes our healthcare system more expensive. And it's just, it is, it's worse here than anywhere, as far as I can tell. Um, and it, it's a crying shame, frankly. Finally, I stopped at First Alaskans Institute to get yet another perspective on the issues facing the city. I am Ayu Kasatak. Ungalaklik Mirunga. I come from Ungalaklik, also known as Yunlakwit, um, which, if you're not familiar where that is, um, when the Iditarod goes through the interior and then hits the coast and then goes up and over to Nome, right when it hits the coast, that is my home community. And I was raised back and forth between Dekaya Kak also known as Anchorage, and Ongalaklik. So I went back and forth, and so both places raised me in different ways. I can't have you. 
First Alaskans Institute is a statewide Alaska Native nonprofit. We're a 501c3. We're unique in that, um, unlike most Alaska Native nonprofits, we are statewide. Many of our Native nonprofits are um, regional in nature. Um, so we, we have the blessing and the honor and responsibility of working with all of our really incredibly diverse Alaska Native peoples from all over the state. Um, and actually this year is our 20 year anniversary as FAI. And um, a lot of the work that we do is around ensuring that Alaska Native people are um, leading the decisions that impact Alaska Native people. We believe Alaska Natives know best what's best for Alaska Natives. Ayu shared with me one of the things that she loves about the city of Anchorage. We often fondly call Dagaya Kak, also known as Anchorage. We often fondly call it Alaska's biggest village because so many of our Alaska Native people from all over the state have moved here. So that is something that I love. I love that our people from all over the state um, call it home here as well and I think that our community our city is richer for that diversity of knowledge like Donna and Julia Ayu also shared with me the issues that she sees facing the city of Anchorage and the one thing that she would change it feels a little funny um, to say that I'm from Anchorage, to be honest, because I consider my home to be Umalaklik and always will be. Um, but this is my home too. And so I was kind of reflecting on a life lived here as an indigenous person. And, you know, I was, I was thinking back to when I first started to have a real consciousness, even as an Indigenous person, that these are Dena'ina homelands. That, you know, I have spent my entire life living on the lands of the Dena'ina, Athabascan peoples. And that's not even something that was within my consciousness until I would say the last 10 to 15 years. And that is tragic in a lot of ways. You know, our, our city's leadership and our state's leadership really love to tout how, you know, Anchorage is home to, you know, the most ethnically diverse school district in the country. How in Mountain View, we have the most ethnically diverse neighborhood. However, the diversity of this place, I feel like too often it is, um, it's just quantified by the number of brown people that are here. Our kids aren't taught that diversity of history. Our kids are not taught that diversity of worldview or cultural values or cultural teachings about how to be in this world. And so when you take into account 
diversity for our city. In some ways, our city is not diverse at all. You know, Lagunai, who um, is our president CEO at First Alaska, I like the way that she talks about it. Um, and we do this when we talk with educators is we've all been kind of led to believe that our society and our systems are neutral and unbiased and that equality is the, the value of the land. But that's not how we as indigenous black people of color experience this world. It's not neutral or unbiased if it does not also include the value of our people and our knowledge and our cultures. And what so many fail to see is that in absence of our cultural teachings and the diversity of the places that we come from, um, in that void is culture. It's filled with a white Western culture that is not neutral or unbiased. And what we're experiencing in our world right now is a symptom of the lack of knowledge about the true history of this place and lack of placing value and uplifting the beauty and brilliance of different peoples and kind of encountering each other in our humanity. It's difficult for me to talk about what I love about this place. Um, when I think about how much work we still have to do. It would be incredible if my superpower could be to activate social justice awareness in all of our white family you know just to be able to enlighten that kind of lens and way of thinking um to not put that labor on people of color to always have to kind of push our family along with awareness so that we can get further faster um that's that's one thing that I think about that's that's something that I think could bring us a long way but um, in absence of ever being able to have that particular superpower something that we've worked on for many years within First Alaskans and I have personally as a parent is advocating within Anchorage School District as the largest school district in the state as well as um, we've done extensive work with Fairbanks School District as well um, to try and enact structural change within our education system so that we can grow citizenry that is privy to more knowledge about all of these issues. So we can grow that from here forward, knowing how overwhelming and difficult it is to, to start from scratch doing that now. I encountered that this year um, one of my four children is, was, well, she just finished in third grade. And in the Anchorage School District, third grade is the only time in elementary, middle, or high school that all students go through a somewhat comprehensive overview of Alaska Native people in Alaska. And I recalled 
and 30 years prior what my own experience was going through that chapter and it was horrible i was relentlessly bullied and physically harmed when i was a young child here in anchorage in the school district um and then when my two older sons had gone through that curriculum as well they both had their own challenges um with the way that they saw themselves, the way that their peers saw them, um, the way that the, the teachings made them feel. So you asked, you know, what is something that I would like to change? We know that Alaska is and always has been a native place. And I wish for all Alaskans to come to a place where they know that and value that. And value Alaskan Native people's um, rich knowledge of and stewardship of this place and then that comes from a place of respect and value um, because Alaska is a better place because of our rich knowledge it's a better place because of our cultural teachings it's a better place because of the ways that we take care of each other and the values that bind us together um, and when our Native community is strong, it contributes to Alaska being a stronger place. Valuing our Native people has to start with knowing us. This season, we will explore some of the issues facing the city of Anchorage. I'm going to do this by asking a lot of questions, hopefully beautiful ones. For each issue, there will be two episodes. We will delve into a story from Anchorage's past in the first episode, and in the second episode, we will hear from local leaders with insights on the issue. The issues we will be exploring this season are Anchorage as a place, the legacy of colonialism, violence, the economy, health care, and substance abuse. But why ask these questions? Why look at the issues facing Anchorage? To answer those questions, let's return to the definition of a beautiful question offered by our questionologist. A beautiful question is an ambitious yet accountable question that can begin to shift the way we perceive or think about something, and that might serve as a catalyst to bring about change. The people bringing you this podcast, the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative, have a desire to see the city the way it is supposed to be for all people. This is an ancient concept called shalom. For the city to become the way it's supposed to be, change will need to take place, and progress will need to be made on the issues facing Anchorage. For that change to happen, we might need to shift our perceptions or how we think. Questions, beautiful questions, can be a catalyst for that change. On each episode of the Anchored City podcast, we'll be asking those that we interview about their spiritual, mindfulness, or self-care practice that sustains them in their work. 
Here's what those interviewed on this episode shared. One of the things I do that, again, um, as you said, kind of sustains me or or keeps me optimistic in, in light of the world around us is that every day I try to acknowledge a good, a goodness uh, that happened or a kindness that happened, but to like consciously reflect on that because I think it gets very overwhelming to find messages and stories that kind of bring us down or that kind of make us want to throw up our hands in despair and that to the point that we often gloss over the positive actions the positive stories the love that is that is happening the kindness that people are with each other so each day I take time to try and whether I've personally experienced it or I know of something that happened with a friend or you know, during this time when, when I'm home alone or I'm home alone with my husband a lot and I'm maybe not interacting to see other people's kindness, just seek out a story of someone helping someone or, or some good happening. And then again, reflecting on that as a way to, to not let all, um, all the dark kind of win, you know, all the doom and gloom. have a daily gratitude practice so I do like a listing practice every day um, and then I do a lot I just sort of give myself a kind of a curriculum um, to work on certain things so I you know I kind of engage in reading along a certain path so like right now I'm doing a lot of work around apologizing like the right way to apologize but I guess I guess if I was going to explain it I have an organized faith community that I'm kind of on the periphery of and then I do a lot of work to build reflection into my daily practice because if not I'll go crazy I just I can't have you I've been in I think a transitioning time of understanding my relationship to spirituality and a reckoning with the ways that religion has been used to harm Native people and how important it is for more people to understand that so that they can understand the challenges that we face today in context with where they come from. So, so much of the that are visible in our Native community today have roots in that period of time where Kill the Indian to Save the Man brought together the religious organizations and the formation of the education system here in Alaska. You know, after my divorce, I had this exciting opportunity to change my name to better reflect who I am. And so I chose to reclaim my family's original name of Kaslatok. You know, the missionaries had changed it to catch a tag. So um, part of my own healing and spiritual practice is understanding my responsibility as Ayu. Ayu, in our language, is the tundra tea, Labrador tea. Um, in Southeast, they have Hudson Bay tea. It's also called bog tea. If you've gone up on flat top or, you know, have trudged around in some of our um, areas where blueberries 
blackberries grow, then you've seen the Ayu, you've smelled it, and it was taught that by carrying that name, we carry the responsibility of what that plant does for us. And Ayu, as a name, means the one who spiritually cleanses. And so I'm in a practice of trying to reclaim and understand how our practices can help bring healing and strength to our people. But it's a complicated, painful, often messy journey. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission that, in part, makes this podcast possible. We are also grateful for our partnership with Street Psalms. Check them out at streetpsalms.org. And we are grateful for you, our listeners. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they are supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org and on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme song is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.